Welcome to Automation Hangout. In our show, we'll discuss the latest trends, challenges and solutions around test automation, DevOps and RPA. In addition, we'll have thought leaders, automation architects and leaders who will be sharing their rich experience in implementing automation. Hello everyone, uh, this is your host, uh, George Okuru. I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, uh, Garth Rose. Garth is the CEO of one of the most innovative test data management platform companies, GenRocket. Welcome, Garth, to our show. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, George. Uh, great to be here. Thank you. Thank you once again, uh, Garth, for uh, joining. I know you have a very busy schedule. Thanks for taking time and uh, uh, coming in. So in today's episode, uh, we would love to have a discussion with you around some of the latest trends around test data management, as well as it will be interesting to hear some of the use cases uh, around uh, TDM. So to begin with, uh, Garth, uh, so what you've seen uh, in the industry is, especially around uh, testing and DevOps professionals, the general perception is that uh, test data management is only about data masking. So is there a, a change in this perception now and uh, you being a synthetic data generation platform, how is that you're trying to work around this perception? It's a great question, George. So uh, we've been around for about 10 years. And when we go back to 2012, when we started talking to potential customers, it was always, uh, so how are you looking at copying, masking that production data? We would say, no, 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 no. We, we're doing synthetic data. And like, synthetic data, what's that? So... It's been interesting, certainly the last several years, um, there's been a real shift in the marketplace, a, a perception awareness of synthetic data and the power of synthetic data. Uh, but there's still a well, you know, the marketplace is used to looking at copying and masking, whether it's a, a vendor solution or, or algorithms to sort of flip that data, the, the PII data. But uh, synthetic is really coming into the mainstream now. It's kind of fun. That is very interesting to know, uh, Garth. So the other uh, challenge that we have seen, especially in organizations, since there is a, a skyrocketing adoption of agile methodology, what you've seen is like uh, test data provisioning is a key inhibitor uh, when it comes to uh, sprints as well as uh, any kind of agile methodology. So what are, how is that uh, product or applications team teams are trying to solve this problem around uh, slowness uh, with uh, test data provisioning? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a big one. So you think about the concept of agile and conducting perhaps a three week uh, sprint, and then you look at each sprint needing fresh data, um, accurate condition control data, and across our customer base and industry, this is a major challenge. So uh, sometimes that can be helped with our production data copies, but of course, think about it: you've got new algorithms, new modules, new capabilities. There is no production data for many of these. So now what do the teams do? They drop back to manual methods. So they say, oh, we'll write a script, uh, which of course is not you know, very efficient and it's hard coded. Or they'll say, well, we'll just manually enter it in the front end. Or, or they'll perhaps um, you know, go to a spreadsheet and say, well, we'll scale this up with a spreadsheet. So these are all very manual methods and they really are a blocker uh, to being able to do true agile. So the concept that we like to think of is on-demand real-time data. Can you be able to design, model and design the data that you need and deliver it into a, a test automation framework, a CI-CD pipeline on-demand in real-time? And the concept would be that you have a test case, you deliver the data, you run the test, complete your assertion, get a result, a pass or a fail, and then you continue going. 
and you don't have to store the data. It doesn't age. It doesn't get stale. So it's a different way of thinking around data, uh, but it really fits beautifully into this new agile methodology. That That's very interesting. And I know that, uh, uh, Garth, your platform also offers uh, self-service capabilities. So what are some of the use cases that uh, you can actually suggest around uh, self-service kind of uh, capabilities that one or a product team can actually look at implementing? Because that actually solves a lot of problems around uh, wait time that you normally have, especially when you're dependent on a centralized data management team. So what are some of uh, your excellent. recommendations? Yeah, it's a great, great point. So uh, we're not necessarily saying that a central test data management team is bad, but we have to think about it. You've got perhaps uh, dozens or hundreds of scrum teams. They need data and they're perhaps putting in requests from a central team. And then the saying is request and wait. And even if there's a self-service portal, uh, the data may not be in the portal. So now someone's got to build the data, put it in the portal so that the teams can go grab that data. And there's a latency. Uh, we hear across customers, it can be days. Uh, it also can be weeks. Uh, we even have a few customer cases where it's literally months to be able to get the data that they need by that model. So the notion is more of a distributed self-service model. So it's essentially saying, do I have uh, perhaps a test data engineer or someone within a Scrum team? And that person can actually build, design the data themselves in a self-service model. So we, we start, in, at least this is specific to GenRocket, we start by saying we can quickly model with referential integrity a, uh, an application, you know, a particular, whether it's a customer database or a policy database with referential integrity. And now those teams can leverage the data, the referential integrity in that model to be able to design any data they need. And by design, I mean, is it a unit test data? Is it integration? Is it load? Uh, performance? Is it, is it other kinds of data requirements that they can actually build themselves? So by pushing it to the edge and making it more truly self-service, service, you know, it's distributed self-service, um, it greatly shortens the delivery time of data. So, so I love that question. It's a really uh, clever one. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Garth. The other question that I had, uh, Garth, was around uh, DevOps. So what we have seen in organizations are basically like there are a lot of improvements that has happened in provisioning infrastructure as well as application. But when it comes to data, there's actually a manual process in many organizations where you actually create your environment, deploy your application, and then you have to wait for someone to actually put in data into that environment. So how is that uh, you're actually uh, solving this problem uh, around DevOps where one in the future, one should be able to look at even provisioning data along with your uh, build and uh, what do you say, environment uh, deployment? Well, excellent question. Again, uh, the first thing I would say is that each organization looks at uh, has a different DevOps structure. So whether it's, um, you know, Azure DevOps or an AWS pipeline or others, this, the, the combinations of tools are almost infinite. And so I think the first thing is to say that everybody looks at it a bit differently. The intention, the goal is the same, automation. They want to be able to spin up an environment, run their tests. Um, and you, you've said it, more and more uh, customers are going to the cloud so that they can sort of have a, a test environment management that they spin up, run their tests, and then potentially drop. That's a lower cost way of doing it. But the reality is that there's a, a wide mix. So that's the intention of where customers are going, but many are not there or are on the journey. So from a GenRocket perspective, we have to be really flexible and be able to deliver data. So if you want to be able to 
spin up data in a cloud environment, we have a repository, a G for GenRock, a G repository. It spins up, it has all of the different test data cases and they're auto-synced and auto-maintained. And the data now is available to be pulled right into that cloud pipeline if necessary. But then it may not be the case for the customer that they're there. It may be on-prem or other tools. So we really have to be able to take that data and integrate it into any kind of a DevOps structure. And we have all of the little components and tools to be able to integrate the data cleanly. So that's part of our architecture is to be able to do that. Yeah, that that's very interesting. The other thing uh, uh, that uh, was it, uh, what our audience would be interested to know is about uh, data generation itself. Because there are a lot of data that you can generate. Uh, it can be uh, as simple as a name. You may have social security number, credit card numbers. And then when you go country specific, you may actually have national IDs or maybe insurance IDs that are very specific. So that's a very, yes. that, that's a very vast area. You can actually think about hundreds of uh, data generation or hundreds of fields where you may need to actually generate uh, uh, data. So how, how, how much of that is really possible and what are they currently supporting? That is one. Second thing is uh, my requirements may be very different. Uh, sometimes I may look at uh, provisioning data into maybe an Excel sheet or sometimes it can be an XML or a JSON structure. So you may have to actually generate data in various formats. So do you think it is really possible to support various formats as well as various types of data generation using a platform like GenRocket? Um, that's... Absolutely was a requirement, um, all credit to my co-founder, Heisel Taylor. Um, he sort of spent um, a decade prototyping, thinking about this, and how do you architect a solution that can generate any data and format it in any format? And he realized that to accomplish that, it had to be a component-based architecture. So you want to separate the capabilities so that they're independent in that context. So there's one component in general, there's many, but one component in GenRock, it's called the generator, kind of an obvious name. It generates data. And we currently have just under 700 generators and it very much tying into what you described. So uh, for pretty much every nation in the world, uh, city, state, postal code, national ID, passport number, and names. And so, for example, uh, we'll do Japanese characters, Chinese characters, and so forth. So that really sort of meets the data generation requirements. We can combine generators, what we call link generators. So they can actually talk to each other. So you can have a series of generators producing data and another one making a, an if-then-else, sort of making a decision. So you can very, very accurately control exactly the data you want. Uh, in our customer requirements, data is very, uh, you could imagine a healthcare situation where the data, if it is not valid looking, even though it's synthetic and secure, it's not valid looking, it gets rejected by the system like facets. So you have to be able to accurately control the data. So that's the generator side. Again, just about 700 generators, exactly what you said. So we have seven different credit card generators, name generators, logical, if then else, percentage, so we can do percentages within percentages. So all what you'd expect to be able to generate the data plus other powerful generators that can make decisions. Uh, by the way, we even have query generators that might not be understood. We can actually go pull a real data value like a member ID mm -hmm. or a customer number because, again, for data validity, you have to blend that with synthetic data, right? Now you get into the second part of your question, which is around data formats. So you said it. In a large enterprise, the variety of data formats is enormous. So, of course, there's going to be SQL databases, maybe some NoSQL databases like Mongo. 
But then, um, of course, there's going to be JSON or nested JSON XML. And then Kafka is in, what, 80% of the Fortune 100. So there's going to be Kafka messaging and banking. There are going to be Swift messages. In healthcare, they're going to be X12 EDI formats. So we spent a decade building out a component called a receiver, mm-hmm. which receives the generated data and morphs it, turns it into a usable format. And we currently have 93 different receivers, almost 100. And by the way, some of those receivers do many different functions. So we can you know, do an FTP message. We can do images like JPEGs. So the versatility is just a matter of, oh, if we happen not to support a particular format, we add a new receiver. And that's usually within one sprint cycle. So within 30 days, we can add those new components. So the generator generates the data and the receiver receives it and morphs it, turns it into that usable format. So those two components are core within the GenRocket capability of producing synthetic data and pulling in uh, real values to produce any uh, you know, variety and volume of data that we need. Oh, that's a large number, 700 generators and uh, close to 100 receivers. That's a lot Correct. of work as well. It, it took us a decade to do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's very interesting. More. <laughs> to, uh, very interesting uh, work because I've seen this variance in data requests or data formats across groups or across organizations. So it's, it's a very uh, interesting uh, topic. The other, uh, similar to data generation, uh, Garth, uh, we have seen a lot of investments going on into AI and machine learning. Everyone sure. is trying to incorporate these capabilities into their products. But the key problem when it comes to testing is there may not be enough data available to test these algorithms or machine learning models. And, uh, the, and the, the key, uh, the, 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 I think any machine learning application or any application that uses AI, it is key to actually have accuracy. And if you want to have accuracy, you need to actually test this application or algorithm with uh, sufficient data. So are, are some of your customers using GenRocket to validate AI algorithms by generating large volumes of data? Is that a, a use case that you have seen Oh yeah, your customers? Absolutely. So of course, we're used by developers, by testers, by quality assurance teams. That's a big use case. But most of our enterprise customers have, they'll use different terms, but I'm thinking of one customer where they have a data and analytics team. And so they have, uh, they're building different machine learning models. We're seeing this in banking, financial services, healthcare, and other industries. And these, um, uh, these particular teams, just as you said, they need a, a much larger volume and variety of data, and the data has to be accurate. Um, I'll kind of share kind of a fun one. So uh, a large global bank uh, came to us and they said, uh, you know, we have consumers, it's COVID, and the consumers aren't going to the bank to deposit their checks. So we've got a huge increase in them using their, you know, their, their cell phones, their iPhones to take a picture of the check and submit that into the bank. And we want to make sure that we can properly ingest checks because when someone submits it, they don't take the picture correctly. Yep. They're using, maybe they're meant to use a black pen to sign, but they use a colored pen. So they said, can our OCR, our optical character recognition AI system, can GenRocket produce um, synthetic checks? Because of course we aren't going to, you know, in the, in the test environment, put, put real customer data, mm-hmm. account numbers, stuff like that from the checks. And so we uh, just built on our standard components and added a little extra capability. So now you can put in a check background. And on top of that, synthetically, we can add all the variables and variety. So we can produce 
um, around 10,000 checks in two and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And they can have the check can be straight on or it could be at an angle, 25 percent, 90 degrees, any kind of angle on the screen or off the screen, colored signatures, different fonts. The data can be correctly placed or not. And this was really helpful for that machine learning algorithm to get all the volume and variety. And of course, we can do the same thing in customers using us for PDFs. You think of insurance where there's a lot of forms, right? Yep. And we can generate data onto any PDF form, again, for these machine learning algorithms. So it's a really exciting, interesting area that's, in our view, just accelerating. Um, it's been a, in a historically a smaller use case uh, for GenRocket, but it's rapidly growing. Mm, that's a very interesting, uh, 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 what do you say, feature, uh, Garth, because this uh, feature will be definitely helpful for folks who are basically testing RPA bots, where you may need to actually test these bots or maybe a document, uh, intelligent document scanning solution with variety exactly. of data. More often, what I've seen is like uh, you basically get only the positive cases where you actually get a good check or a good invoice to process, but there might be scenarios where you actually have these edge cases coming in, which is not... Right which is not tested or it's ignored. And when you actually deploy these bots into production, the accuracy is not that great because you may have scenarios where you actually do uh, error, where, where you're not able to handle such error conditions or maybe edge conditions. So that's a very interesting feature. And I, I believe that this will be very helpful to folks uh, who are basically into bot testing. That's, that's very Exactly. Good. And then just if you think of healthcare, uh, healthcare data, of course, involves PHI, uh, personal health information. And so there are quite a few customers who are either exactly in that area, uh, new healthcare startups or main customers who have divisions who are working on new capabilities. And again, the data has to be accurate, but it also has to be de-identified. And of course, synthetic data by definition is de-identified. So that's an area we see a lot of growth is the healthcare uh, domain. Okay. The, the uh, other important aspect around uh, test data, uh, which is often ignored in many organizations, is reusability. So you might be creating data, for example, if I'm an e-commerce company, every time you are doing a regression test of your e-commerce website, you may be generating customer data, you may be actually creating orders, uh, you may be actually creating categories and products. And there is not much of effort that many of these teams have put in in order to create reusable packs. That is one. Second thing is there might be a lot of standards, uh, a standard set of data that you may need to generate. Let's take a healthcare scenario where you may have to actually communicate between uh, different applications where you might need HL7 data. Or it can be something like BAI2 in the banking uh, or the financial services side, whereas again, it's a standard. So is Zenrocket offering some of these uh, data standards or data packs along with the platform? Or if it is not there, how easy it would be for uh, a, a team to actually develop reusable data packs? A um, lot of interesting topics you bring up there. So I'll start with the reusability uh, topic. Yep. And of course, in testing, uh, you, you run a test, uh, you're doing a regression, and you want the data to be the same today, tomorrow, and, and the next day. So GenRocket has a seeding capability where when the data is generated, it's exactly the same. Now, this is interesting. So we do not only realistic looking data, we also do pattern data. And sometimes when you're wanting unique data in very, very large volume, and I mean millions to billions of rows of data, uh, getting uh, realistic data isn't necessary because actually name one, name two, name three is very useful for volume uh, testing for load and performance. But regardless, whether we're doing pattern data 
or we're doing realistic looking na names, you know, George, Garth, so yep. forth. Um, our seeding capability means that every time we're producing that data, if it's patterned or random, whatever, it's the exactly the same data every time. So you have predictability of your test. So that's the first thing that I think is, is important to note. And when it gets to the sort of data standards, uh, that's part of our looking at the marketplace and sort of saying, where are the pain points? So it turns out in, um, in the healthcare area, in the, in the X12 EDI area, uh, there's a, there's a claim, healthcare claim, which is called an EDI 837. That's just the name, the numbering scheme in, in the EDI standard. And it's very complicated. It's a nested format. It's um, hundreds of layers deep, potentially. And each claim, if it's an ambulance claim or a chiropractic claim, is different. So we kept hearing from customers that this standard was important. So we built out an accelerator. Mm -hmm. um, so you get the base components, the generator component, the receiver components, and so forth. And then we built a EDI store. And on top of that store, we said, well, we're going to build out all of the standard EDI transaction sets, like an 837, which is a claim, an 835, which is a payment, and so forth. And in about 10 minutes, a customer can push a button and it'll auto build about 90% of the base EDI claim. And then we have a capability, not get it too much in the weeds, but we can create then different kinds of claims, you know, ambulance, chiropractic, and so forth. And then they can be reused over and over again for either just standard testing, or as you mentioned earlier, negative edge case and, and so forth. So that's one example. We have interfaces with Salesforce. Uh, you mentioned BAI2. Uh, Swift, HL7, Fire, which is in healthcare. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I wouldn't say we have every single, you know, uh, application uh, out there covered, but many of the important industry standards, uh, we have interfaces or, or data receivers or formats that are packaged up, sort of these data packs that you referenced. Um, so that's an area of growth for us too. As we talk to different partners and customers, they sort of bring these requirements to us and then we add them to the platform. Again, we've been at this for a decade, so uh, we have many things covered and more, more coming. That, that's, that's, that's very good to know uh, because uh, we often run uh, across customers asking for various type of data and the, you can definitely observe a pattern. For example, as you're mentioning, it can be healthcare claims or it can be fire or HL7 when it comes to healthcare. Or it can be things like BI2 and things like that. So it's very interesting to know that you already you already have a capability to provide uh, uh, data or create data based on some of these standards. The yes. final question that I have, uh, uh, Garth, is around uh, data modeling. So uh, again, this is the perception uh, that uh, we hear from uh, testing community as well as folks working in the test data management stream. The data modeling is a very time-consuming activity, and then you should be knowing both the database schema as well as the business rules uh, to actually create meaningful data or even generate the model. And then if you have multiple databases, especially when you're dealing with end-to-end -end testing, it becomes a bit complex. So uh, what are some of the capabilities that you are providing as part of your platform to actually simplify data modeling? Um, good question once again. And then uh, this is what we hear from the customers. They essentially say we have... Uh, Maybe it's a, a SQL database, DB2, Oracle, uh, MS SQL, and how quickly can we model that? And that's been a long time area of investment for us. And our most popular tools, so we have 13 different tools, 13 different ways to set up a model. Uh, started with one <laughs> and then <laughs> kept growing and building it out. 
over the years. But the most popular one now is called XTS or Extract Table Schema. So it doesn't pull over the data, it pulls over the metadata. And it, at, we have uh, a wizard process, and also we've added some uh, AI tools to intelligently set up the project. And so uh, the wizard walks the customer through the process of uh, you know, pulling in the metadata. There's some automations that will set up uh, the different uh, tables in our system uh, with referential integrity. Uh, there's some tuning. The wizards will help you tune that, tune the different data generators. So the data is accurate. And part of our AI team is really using those tools to make that setup more and more accurate, which does what? It just saves the customer time. And we've added a capability uh, for what we would call lifecycle management. So this capability called G Delta, G for Gen Rocket, Delta for change. So of course, data models change. So we have to be able to determine that we have project version one, and now the customer three months have gone by, they changed the data model. We detect that change and then go to the admin and say, your model's changed. Do you want to create version two and reflect those changes in version two? Now we can do regressions with version one and do testing, you know, test data for version two. So we have 13 different ways of setting it up. Um, the most popular is XTS. Uh, one new one we just added, which customers seem to really like, as I think you know, there's quite a lot of interest in metadata management. Mm -hmm. And so there are tools like Abinitio and Alation. And uh, so GenRocket has, has released the capability to pull in uh, import from JSON schema from these particular tools and do a similar thing that I just described with XTS to set that up, detect changes and so forth. So we're never going to be done. There are going to be new ways of setting up and modeling a test data project, uh, but that's a, a heavy area of investment for us to be able to really make it, you know, if you think of a life cycle of a customer, can you quickly model the project? Can you quickly design the data? And then can you take that data? And you talked earlier about sort of test environment management and DevOps. Can you then take that data and deploy it quickly and easily into a test environment? So we have all of those components to have that, you know, manage that full life cycle. That, that's very interesting, uh, Garth. So that, that's a very cool feature because uh, if we can actually come work around that problem around uh, data modeling, that will really help uh, project teams model data at a much, a much faster pace. Faster. Exactly. We've run short of time. Uh, 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 so uh, what we, it, is, it, is, it is a wealth of information, Garth, uh, that you have shared in the last uh, 30 minutes. It will be very uh, useful for our viewers uh, who are definitely uh, who are looking at uh, implementing solutions around TDM. And there are a lot of uh, solutions that you gave us today, uh, especially around reusability, how to do data modeling, how to integrate with DevOps. So there are a lot of uh, key uh, critical information that was actually passed on. So I'm very grateful for you uh, uh, to, to, to have spent time with us today uh, in sharing your uh, knowledge around uh, TDM. So looking forward maybe, uh, for maybe uh, another conversation towards end of the year, I'm sure that your team is actually working on many cool features. So it will be great to have we you are. in our show. <laughs> And George, I'd like to say thank you. You asked excellent questions that I think are really relevant to the market today around test data management and what we would call test data automation. So um, I really appreciate the questions that you asked today. And thank you, Garth. Please subscribe to our podcast to stay abreast with the ever-changing world of automation.